Hello, friends. Welcome to Find Hope, Live Well, a show about doing small things to make big changes in your life. I'm Grant Stenzel. My goal is to help you regain hope and walk with you down the path of healing. Through my experience as a licensed clinical professional counselor and former pastor, I enjoy helping individuals and families navigate through mental health issues. We're back with another episode. Um, so, after a year and a half of working remotely, American workers would rather quit their job than go back into the office. Their reason being is for more time with family, saving money on food, gas, etc. And they feel like they have more of a work life balance. So, what effects have you seen in your clients from being isolated and working from home? So, yeah, I mean, I've heard the same you know, advantages is they're not traveling to work. Um, it's just easier. Um, however, you know, easy isn't always best. Um, I think sometimes easy keeps us on the couch. Sometimes easy keeps us isolated. Um, especially when you start becoming anxious or depressed, it's easy to want to stay home and not socialize. Um, you know, mental health is like inertia. Uh, an object in motion tends to stay in motion and an object at rest tends to stay at rest. And so if we're at rest, it's hard to motivate ourselves to get up, to move, to do things, whether it's physically, mentally, spiritually, socially, as well as, you know, and when we start isolating and, and becoming anxious and depressed, it's hard to move. And so, you know, not only do, you know, we're seeing people are afraid of getting sick, but now we're seeing the emotional fallout of social distancing. We're seeing grief of the loss of what their life used to look like. Um, people are bored, people are tired, people are lacking routine, they're lonely. We're seeing, you know, across our practice, we're seeing addictions way up, anxiety way up, depression way up. I have had more consultations with therapists about suicidal ideation right now. Uh, we're seeing more divorce and marital issues um, ever, you know, and in the first time in our 17 year history, we have a waiting list. We can't keep up with the demand of people wanting to get help. We're trying to hire good therapists as, as quickly as we can. Um, but the problem is there isn't enough. And it's not just me. It's virtually every practice has a waiting list right now because people are being affected by being isolated and being stuck at home. That's really incredible that all of these effects that come into play besides just the virus itself mm -hmm. and how many changes you're really seeing with people um, and long-term effects, really. So what do you see as the biggest pros and the biggest cons of working remotely? So, I mean, it's not like there aren't pros. You know, you're keeping safe from the virus, which can calm your anxiety. There's no commuting. You know, I can say as a business owner, you would have less overhead. You know, you, you don't have as many space that you have to rent and you could just have meetings on Zoom and you know, as well as here, you know, occasionally we have supervision meetings or we have our uh, practice meeting on Zoom, which makes life easier. You know, however, you know, kind of what I'd said before is the lack of routine, the lack of social interaction um, is really, really affecting people. And so when they're depressed or anxious, they want to kind of isolate. And going to work makes you see people, you know, and, and when we're depressed and when we're anxious, often we can do what we have to but we can't do what we should. And so if you have to go to work, you'll get up and go to work. However, if you don't have to go to work, you don't have to go out and see people, often you won't. 
And so, you know, if, if people are truly healthy and truly disciplined and they're making sure they're getting out and seeing people and they're getting out of the house, great. But we're seeing that as a very small minority of people being able to be that disciplined. You know, even business camaraderie, it has to be amazingly down, you know. So as all my therapists have come back and just seeing them and talking to them and seeing how their life is and that connection is there as well as, you know, ideas come out. You know, we're always walking around the hallway and, and you know, we're talking to a therapist and say, hey, you know, I have this client. What do you think? And we're able to kind of speak into each other, which makes us better therapists. Um, you know, there, and, and as I've been reading about this, as I've been studying this, you know, more and more research is coming out about how solitary confinement is considered torture. Yet we're choosing to do kind of solitary confinement. We are... are holding up in our homes, not seeing anyone, which, you know, prisons and prisoners of wars aren't even allowed to do, you know, and so it kind of blows my mind that we're trying to do something that, you know, you know, in some ways prisons aren't even allowed to do anymore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think for adults, you know, because we're adults and we're fully developed, it's kind of easier to adjust to that since we kind of have to, Mm -hmm. but for kids, it's so detrimental, I think, for their development. Mm-hmm. So would you say it's more crucial for kids to learn in person than for adults to return to the office? So I would say yes and no. Um, I, I definitely think it's crucial for kids to interact with other human beings. You know, school isn't just about learning mathematics and English. It's about learning social skills. It's about connecting yes. with other human beings. It's about learning how to connect and how to, how to have conflict and how to resolve conflict and to have relationships. And humans are built for healthy relationships. And so the reason I said yes and no is that if the parents aren't going to work and they're not doing the things they need to do to stay healthy and they're not well, is it's amazing the effect when parents are depressed, parents are anxious, parents are fighting, and there's conflict in the home, how that radically affects the child. And that affects their depression and anxiety. And children are way more likely to be anxious or depressed if their parents are fighting or their parents aren't getting along and they're not co-parenting or they're having issues themselves. So though, yes, I think, you know, it's, it's more important for kids to be out. They're still affected if their parents aren't. Yeah, definitely. And you said um, this is the first time in 17 years you guys have accumulated a wait list, mm-hmm. right? Um, so how did doing remote sessions with your clients affect you now with that Mm -hmm. and them from a therapist standpoint? Sure. Well, I think it was novel at first and I was glad we had it. We've been doing, uh, telemedicine as we call it for four years. And so fortunately we had, um, the ability to do telemedicine. So we were able to pivot as soon as COVID came out and see our clients right away. So, which was important you know, is to be able to provide care to our clients. So I love telemedicine. I'm glad we're able to provide um, care to our clients. In some ways, it was unique. We got to see their home. We got to see kind of where they lived. And, you know, some of our teen or child client, um, you know, the, the therapists were able to kind of see what was on their wall and they would give a tour of their posters or their, they would show their toys. And and so in some ways, it was kind of interesting. Um You know, however, sometimes um, confidentiality is difficult. You know, we've had, you know, spouses walk in and start yelling at the therapist. He's lying or whatever. And, you know, we've sometimes have had to coach people, you know, go in your car away from anyone else so they don't hear. And 
And I think especially teens are, are nervous if their parents are listening in, you know, mm-hmm. especially if they're saying something about their parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a nervousness about confidentiality. So I'm obviously glad I had it. Um, we're still doing some. You know, I had a client a couple weeks ago, their uh, daughter was sick. And so I just saw them virtual. And so that was a nice convenience. Um, but I definitely wouldn't want to do it on a regular basis. And so there were some interesting parts of it. I'm glad we have it, definitely. But I would definitely say in-person is more effective. There's something about being in the same room as a human being. There's a spirit there, as well as I'm able to see a lot more than nonverbals. They're, you know, able to, you know, kind of see what I'm saying. Um, You know, however, you know, I I guess in some ways they feel telemedicine feels a little safer because they feel that there's something between us. Um, which isn't always healthy because we, you know, we're trying to foster healthy vulnerability so that they can share their struggles so that we can find hope and healing. Definitely. I really agree with that. Um, what are some tips for maintaining mental health while working at home? Sure. Um, you know, I would say we often feel we can handle anything. And you may not notice the difference after a week of, of working at home. And you may look back and not feel that there's been a change, but look back six months, look back a year, and how much have you changed? And so our mental health often, not always, sometimes you know, big things can happen, is grows like our hair. It grows very slowly. You don't notice day to day how you're becoming depressed or less depressed, more anxious or less anxious. And so you have to kind of look back three months, six months. And so even though we think we can handle it, should we? Is it best? You know, it, everything affects us more than we realize. And so I would say purposeful planning is incredibly, incredibly important if you plan on working at home, is that you have to have a plan, move through it. Um, I would say even have accountability and guidance as you're doing it. So if you're single, is, you know, reaching out to other friends and saying, hey, this is what our plan is. Maybe every Saturday you're getting together as a group or you know, three times a week you're doing a Zoom call or you're doing exercise whether together or, you know, you're using, you know, like Apple Watches or whatever to track um, exercise together. Um, you know, if you're married and you have a family is, are you doing things as a family and are you making sure your family is getting out and connecting with perhaps other families and that there's social interaction and, you know, how well is the family getting along cooped up all together, you know, and that we've seen a lot of family conflict and a lot of marital conflict with everyone just on top of each other all the time. I love my wife dearly, but you know, I sometimes like to get go to work and and I think it's healthy for us. I think some healthy breaks from each other makes us, you know, the you know, uh, what is it um you know, it, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And and you know, when we're on top of each other for a long time, we can start getting crabby or annoying each other and so it's nice to have a little break and, you know, and I go to work and, and she works here actually as a spiritual director part time, but um, we have different roles and we actually don't see each other all that much. Um, I think that's healthy. Um, so I would say also, if you are working at home is watch what you're putting in your brain is limit your social media, limit the news, obviously be aware of what's going on, but just gorging yourself on it is going to make you anxious and it's going to make you sick, in my opinion, like gorging on anything. And I think it's easy to obsess about what's going on. And we think with more information, we'll be safer. You know, there's enough information that you can get from COVID about what's going on and then move on. But oftentimes we're just making ourselves more anxious and watch, 
you know, are we just binging TV over and over and over again or just being on a screen over and over again? It, which just makes you tired, makes you lethargic, makes you not want to get up. You know, obviously connecting with people, having a healthy routine of getting up at the same time, going to bed at the same time, eating at the same time, practicing healthy exercise, sleeping, eating habits. Um, be careful what you do when you're bored. You know, that's what we're seeing is, eat, you know, addictions. Um, eating and drinking when you're not hungry or thirsty, you know. Um, sitting for hours on end. It's so easy, again, with the inertia theory, is an object at, at rest will stay at rest. And so making sure you're getting out, making sure you're moving in, as well as going to counseling. You know, coming and getting help because it takes courage and strength to admit you need help. It takes courage and strength to say, I can't do this myself. And really no one can do life themselves. We live in a community and, you know, it takes a village for us to live. It, it takes our family. It takes the people we know. It takes friends. It takes community for us all to be well and encourage each other and build each other up and, and, to, and to move forward. Absolutely. Really, really great insight. The inertia theory. That's so interesting. Well, I think we are wrapped up here and we will talk to you guys on the next episode. Thanks, Grant. Thank you. That's going to do it for today's episode. Visit stenzoclinical.com backslash news for helpful tips on parenting, relationships, managing anxiety, battling depression, and more. You can also find us on social media with the handle at stenzoclinical. If you enjoyed our show, please be sure to leave a review. As always, thank you for listening. <laughs>